The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. It's a look at the headlines, the great moments, the numbers, and the love and nostalgia that makes us baseball fans. This is Box Score Heroes. Hey everybody, it's Ken Napsuck and welcome to the 10th episode of Box Score Heroes and we have reached September. I'll see you in September. We're here and the playoff push has not arrived. It is in our laps and we talked about this last week. We've been talking about it quite frankly since the season began. This season, unlike any other Major League Baseball season we've experienced yeah, even the strike short seasons and the strike affected seasons, there is nothing like this season. I can't wait for hopefully 2021 to show up and be normal, normal uh, Jason, normaler than what we got going on here. But I got to tell you, the 2020 season has been fun to watch. It's been fun to just have there. Sports are something that kind of makes us seem normal and there's a there's a lot going on. A lot going on indeed. So it's been fun to turn on baseball. Uh, but I, uh, before we, we'll get into the rankings and some of the highlights of the weeks, uh, 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 the weekend, and uh, you know, stats and leaders and all that stuff. But I got to talk about something that's actually maybe a confession. The last couple of weeks, just my life has been a real hectic and busy. Yep, whose life isn't? Uh, completely uh, honest about that, of course. But I have, uh, I don't know, like it just baseball kind of slid into the back again. And yes, I've been watching and tracking things so I can talk about it here on Box Score Heroes. But that day-to-day, check it in, checking the stats, checking the standings, checking out, you, uh, checking out how your team did. Like it slipped my routine. But interesting enough, and I'm a Yankee fan. I've said that. I've said that to you. You're probably all sick. Um, I'm a Yankee fan. And what ended up kind of getting me back in, clued in, focused a little more this week was knowing that the Yankees were slipping in the standings. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And I don't want to speak just as a Yankee fan, Harry. I want to speak as a baseball fan and a baseball podcaster and broadcaster hanging out with all of you here. But there was a time when, as a Yankee fan, I just got used to winning. Oh, I know. Poor cat. Poor Yankee fans. I get it. No, I get it. But I became a Yankee fan in the 80s. And not early enough. 81, where they got to the World Series and lost. 85, they had a good team, but they fell short to the, to the Blue Jays. Uh, I had some hope in 87, 88, and it wasn't to be. By 1990, they hit rock bottom. We did draft around that time this kid, Derek Jeter, out of Michigan, and that seemed to show some promise. Bernie Williams, he played guitar and center field well. We had uh, a lefty named Andy Petit, Padat, Petit, I don't know, he might be good. And we got a starting pitcher who threw a good game against the White Sox. They might move into the bullpen named Mariano Rivera. We'll see how that goes. But during that time, during those years of struggle, I was clued in, brokenhearted at times, but hopeful every day. We're going to get the win, and every player that comes up is going to contribute, and every player has a chance to turn the tide. That's why sometimes those names, those smaller names, mean 
almost as much as the bigger names. Me as a Yankee fan, well, Jim Layritz, catcher of the future for us. Mike Blowers, have, have him, man, third base. We've talked a lot about Kevin Moss here on Box Score Heroes. I'm a Don Mattingly super fan. But with Donnie Hurt, Kevin Moss, uh, we'll slide him to DH until maybe Donnie steps aside and Kevin Moss will lead us not only to the World Series, but he'll take us all straight to the Hall of Fame. It just was a sure thing. Uh, there was uh, a lot of guys coming through. Uh, Hensley Mullins, Bam Bam Mullins. I thought that guy was going to be the biggest thing in baseball as well. Each player came up and each player brought with them, uh, brought with them hope. And hope's important to a baseball fan. And then the Yankees won, and I cried my eyes out in 1996. In 97, I was upset. Oh, so close against Cleveland. 98, one of the greatest teams. 99, we're there. 2000, we're there. Ah, it's just expected. The 2001 loss to the Diamondbacks, eh, it was heartbreaking. But shake it off. We'll be back soon enough. Slowly but surely, even by 2003 in our loss to the Marlins, me as a Yankee fan just started to take it for granted. And I started to tune out. I started to pull away. And I started doing that thing that is, uh, I always get upset when I hear other casual baseball fans talk about. Uh, the baseball season's so long. I watch a little bit in April and then I check back in, and then I really don't start watching until it, quote, counts in September and then October for the playoffs. Yeah, I always used to be offended by that. Baseball's not about that. You're supposed to be there day in, day out. But in the mid-2000s, yeah, the Yankee team started to bloat a little bit. We started to throw a lot of money at big players. The philosophy of the team seemed to change, and yeah, Torrey was being pushed out. There was those things. And they weren't winning, but it had just become expected and I quite frankly had become numb to the joys of rooting for my team then when it happened again in 2009 the joy was there again and as a Yankee fan look y'all can say we have it easy we get the big dollar players but it's it's actually been a few years now since we've gotten to the World Series 2009 seems like just yesterday but in truth it's really not this season with a short run and the Yankees uh, paying a lot of money for one of the best pitchers in the game. I thought to myself, well, we've got healthy players back. Judge Stanton, best pitcher in baseball, the best pitcher money he could buy on the mound. Gary Sanchez is going to figure this out. You know what? We got this. We absolutely got this. But a check of the standings, which we'll do again at the end of the show, reveals that as of right now, Tampa Bay, has the lead in the American League East, and Toronto has surged past. The Yankees might have had a good weekend series against the Orioles. We always seem to. Uh, the Yankees are four back in a good spot. And again, weird year, weird playoff seedings, eight teams going. I think we'll get there. But here's the thing. When I checked in last weekend, when I saw the headlines, when I saw the highlights, and I realized, because I had kind of fallen off for the last couple of weeks on a day-to-day -day basis, when I realized my Yankees were slip-sliding away below the Blue Jays and the Rays in the standings, 
Suddenly, I cared more. Suddenly, I was clued in. And suddenly, each game brought a bit of hope that things would get better. Now, again, as of right now, the Yankees are looking as one of, to be one of the eight teams in the playoffs. And there is a, a bit of a drop-off. Not a lot, but a big bit of a drop-off from Cleveland, currently in that eighth spot in the American League, to the Mariners and Tigers and Orioles. Oh, it's possible. It's possible any one of those teams could make a run. But really, it's starting to shape up that we're going to have a American League postseason of the White Sox, Rays, A's, Twins, Blue Jays. Oh, those Astros and the Yankees and Indians. But now I care again. Or at least I cared more than I did before. Just a weird little side note about baseball and sports. I'm not saying I want my Yankees to go uh, into the tank uh, like the teams in the early 90s. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. And again, I feel blessed, if not a little spoiled as a Yankee fan. I know some of you Rangers fans. Uh, maybe you're a Brewers fan. Um, any team that's gone through a long drought, even just not even getting to the playoffs, you're probably throwing something at uh, whatever device you're listening to this podcast on, or maybe you're just throwing the device. I'm truly not trying to be some kind of smug Yankee fan. Again, when I started rooting for the Yankees, winning ways were behind them and a long way in front of us. So I understand least to a little bit. But it's, I think, how we baseball fans work. We want to win, and there is great joy in winning. But there's always just a little bit more fun to be found in the chase. I think that's why a lot of people hate Yankees fans. And quite frankly, I think they should hate the Red Sox just as much, going back to 2004 or even the 99 and 2003 Red Sox teams. They've been good. For a very long time. You want to push them off the top. And there's joy in following your team. Do just that. The Yankees just might push someone off the top again. Maybe not. But I'm clued back in. It's been fun to watch Luke Voigt, by the way. Side note. I like that kid. Another thing I want to talk about here. I was looking on a great list. MajorLeagueBaseball.com, MLB.com. Check it out. It's a great way. If you're like me, that sometimes life gets a little busy, you want to check back in, it's all there. Gosh, I wish I had this site as, 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 as to this level and this robust in, in, in the mid-90s when I was just living baseball every second of the day. Now it's like every other second. There's a great list of uh, players uh, making an impact, 30 Emerging players prime for big futures, having big seasons. And it's a great list. Check it out. We might talk about a couple of players here in a second here. But uh, there's something that I'm very aware of and a term they have uh, that they're using. They have the, the team, the player, and their position. And instead of underneath that information, uh, instead of underneath that, uh, a stat line, uh, a key stat, something about them in the season, that makes them uh, on this list. They get to that. They write that. But between the description and between the name, there was this phrase, under club control. I know what that means. You know what that means. Not just under contract, but uh, do you have the arbitra uh, arbitration? Uh, do you have uh, what options? Uh, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? 
on this player before they hit the free market. And that's something that's been in place since, well, I started really getting into baseball. Uh, free agency was alive and well, uh, thanks to uh, players like uh, Kurt Flood making the big sacrifice, uh, Andy Messersmith, uh, Dave McNally, guys who played without contracts to prove the point to become free agents. It's a fascinating uh, time in baseball. Marvin Miller, the labor disputes, everything. Baseball's always been a business. I, I, I'm not one of those uh, when it was a game type of fans. Oh, yes, it might have been more pure and innocent. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but it's always been a business going back to even to the 1860s and 1870s. But the 1970s, something special, something different. But even then, that's my point. Even then, I didn't grow up flipping the backside of a baseball card to say, oh, uh, how long do the Yankees have uh, Jim Leverett's under club control? Just didn't factor into my thinking. And I'm not saying this cynically. I think it's, I think it's a key part of measuring a, a player's future. How, where are they going to be and for how long? And what will the club do with that player? It's interesting, managing a team on MLB The Show, the video game I love so much, has really started to bring this into focus for me. I, in all my years of watching baseball, and I can finally say that with a little bit of authority, you know, we're getting to the 30 plus years of me watching this game. It's a lot, that's a lot to do with MLB, the show that I'm now like, oh, I, I really understand the importance of club control. I don't know. Just a weird observation as I was reading this list because I brought it up thinking, oh yeah, let's look at the players. Let's look at the players that are making a difference. That's a, I love baseball lists like that. I, I used to buy those card sets. Do you remember those card sets in like 88 and 89 and was like up and coming? I don't even know. It might have been Score that put it out or, or just some random company that had a contract with MLB. And the cards, there'd be like 100 cards. And they reminded me of Score, just the bright colors, the orange, the blues and greens and whatever. But it, it, it also came with a book. And the book had a picture of the player, some stats, and again, a paragraph as to why. And I think they also did a, like, superstars of the game. And I always loved those ones, but I always loved the future star of the game card sets. Not just, like, Donruss-rated rookies and Fleer future stars, Topps future stars, all that kind of stuff. But, like, I used to love this particular set. I used to seek it out every year. Probably somewhere in my storage here on this very property. I probably have those... Uh, two or three books that I got that were like the up-and-coming baseball stars. Here's their cards. Here's why they're up-and-coming. At no point did I consider club control. At no point was it listed. Is that more fun back in the day versus now? No, I think it's I think it's either or. I just think it's a fun observation. Did you ex Have you experienced that too as a baseball fan of a certain age where this just wasn't part of the conversation? I'm talking even when I was playing... And I still do play fantasy baseball, but like when I first started owning owning Cohen on the team with my friend Corey in the early, uh, actually ninety nine and into the early two thousands, we didn't really talk about this. Oh, it would come up every now and then. It's a free agent year for this guy. Like, ah, oh, if we if we uh, keep this player this season and we get to hold him next year, like, I mean, he'll be he'll be still be with Atlanta. We could use him. Like, he's not going to be traded to the American League because we're a national National League only fantasy league. So there was those kind of conversations. But I'm fascinated by the fact 
that along with all these new age stats, all the OPS pluses and the, and the wars and all those stats that uh, can still kind of make a, an older fan raise their eyebrows, even though I, I've really grown to appreciate those stats and, and look for them just as much as I look at the classic stats. I do love my wins, though, but that's a different conversation. I'm just fascinated that, I, that, that in that uh, vein, we now worry and talk and discuss club control. So there you go. And in case you're wondering, as a Yankee fan, they list Clint Frazier, who is under club control through 2024. Uh, us Yankees, we're looking pretty good. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, I want to ask you all some uh, baseball trivia. And I am going to uh, ask you this. We'll take a quick break and reset. And then I'll give you the answer on the other side. Here you go. Test yourself. I'll trust you. Do you win a prize? No. It's just baseball knowledge, and that's something we all covet. Name the first African-American player to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. You have three choices. I'll give them to you. Roy Campanella, Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, Satchel Paige. So you, uh, you're all going to think on that. You're all going to uh, shout out your answers to uh, this podcast device, and we'll all win together because we are learning baseball knowledge. Stick around here on Box Score Heroes. For the best in pop culture art, sleek designs, and some of the best brand logos around, shop G9 Design on TeePublic and represent the electrifying art of Janine Bryce with a shirt, wall art, and more. Go to TeePublic.com slash user slash G9 Design. And while you're searching the G9 Design storefront, check out Janine's show, It's a Wonderful Podcast, available right here on Anchor and wherever podcasts are found. Why We Love Star Wars by Ken Napsok is a collection of little love letters to the greatest saga ever told, and a personalized copy can be yours today. Just go to KenNapsok.com and choose the Shop tab. There, you'll find options to purchase exclusive poster art designed by movie trivia Schmodown star Janine Bryce, a signed copy of Why We Love Star Wars, and collector Napsok file cards. Already have a copy of the book but still want an author's signature? Then check out the book plate package. Get a signed book plate sticker and a 3D printed keychain sent straight to your spaceship. Go to KenNapsok.com for pricing and shipping information. Well, hello there. This is Lauren Romo, one of the co-hosts of the Galactic Podcast. We are two gals that just talk anything and everything within that galaxy far, far away. Come join us for the Star Wars discussions. Stay for that silliness. You can find us on Apple Pod, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. Follow us on Twitter at the Galactic Pod. And as always, may that force be with you. We're back here on Box Score Heroes, and did you have time to think about the answer? 
Named the first African-American player to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Boy Campanella, Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, Satchel Page. And yeah, the answer... You got it right here. The answer is the answer. The one you'd probably think. The one you're probably like, well, yeah, that, that, would, that would make sense, right? You start doing the numbers and... I mean, yeah, you immediately kind of go, Willie May, oh no, Willie Mays uh, played to, what, 72, 73, so he, he wouldn't have been inducted till you know, five years after that. Um, Campanella, unfortunately, his career cut short, so perhaps he gets in a little earlier than uh, one would expect. And, and Satchel, I mean, Satchel's major league career, we know, was unfortunately too short, but his baseball career was long, and so they could have just put him in to the Hall of Fame uh, before the others. That's where my mind went. But the answer is just what the answer should be in your mind. The one you probably go to first. Uh, Jackie Robinson, of course, didn't make his debut until he was 28 years of age. Hit 311 in his career, six-time All-Star, and won the MVP in two, uh, 1949, not 2049, 1949. Of course, those are just the stats, part of the stats. We know what Jackie Robinson brought to the game. He was elected into the Hall of Fame in 1962. Uh, I think it's important to know, you know, he didn't uh, make his major league debut until he was 28. Um, um, obviously, many circumstances behind that, but um, he ended his career probably earlier than you would think, but he also played, you know, uh, what, 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 11 years? Uh, played, played uh, you know, he, he's, he's into his late 30s. Um, back then, that, that, that number meant more than it, it did now. Um, and then the stress and everything he went through, I always say it killed him. It killed him. It, it just, it just uh, the stress on his body and his soul and his psyche. So it makes some sense. And he retires uh, after, you know, uh, not wanting to report the, the, the trade to the Giants that he didn't want to be a part of. Uh, and, and he goes uh, and takes a, a, a position in, in, in a company outside of baseball. I love that little side story. And inducted in 1962. So there you go. That's the answer. Jackie Robinson is the guy. Let's go to the only baseball power rankings you need. Just kind of run through these here. Working five to one on what we got. A look back on this week in Major League Baseball. Thinking of uh, Speaking of Dodger legends, this week Max Scherzer passed Sandy Koufax. Uh, with his 98th game of 10 or more strikeouts. Here's what I love about this list. First of all, Max is, is Max, man. He is one of the best. And it is a different era. Strikeouts maybe I don't know, a little more plentiful. I get that. I get that. But I love this in Major League Baseball. Sandy Koufax is an all-time great. Always will be an all-time great. That's not going to change. He's a legend, and his legacy is passed down each generation, baseball fan to baseball fan. We know he played for a short time. Injuries cutting his career short, and he's in the Hall of Fame on the strength of a small sample size. Like, it's five seasons. Uh, or so, roughly, that get Sandy into the Hall of Fame. Scherzer is in a different era. He's in a different time. But you can still, uh, you know, it's a mound. 60 feet, 6 inches from home plate. When a player like Scherzer, a modern-day legend, passes someone of this ilk, Sandy Koufax, I just love it. It just, to me, it shows baseball just continues to go, continues to grow, 
continues to uh, make uh, legends time and time again. We have a problem, though. We have a, a tendency to not recognize these legends as they're happening, which is interesting. Now, sure, there's the greats and there's the greats of your era. I'm thinking uh, we talked a lot about Cal Ripken last week, but Tony Gwynn, like watching Tony Gwynn, the late, great Tony Gwynn, which that's still, uh, that's hard to wrap my brain around that too. Tony isn't with with us, but watching Tony play, I I, I would see a lot of his games being a SoCal uh, kid and also watching the Braves uh, play on TBS where I uh, lived. I, we had that feed. It was an, an odd little thing. We didn't have WGN. Couldn't watch the Cubs play, but I, I watched Atlanta play a lot. And so the Padres were there. Uh, and uh, that was mostly in a Dodger market. So I'd see the Padres come through there on TV. I'd see uh, the Dodgers go through San Diego and then Atlanta as well. And back then with the schedule a little different, you... Atlanta and San Diego would play a lot. So I used to watch Tony Gwynn a lot. I just remember watch as you watched him play. Yes, you knew you were watching a legend. So yes, it does happen. It does happen. But I think uh, there's a tendency to put these names where they belong on a top shelf. Koufax, Drysdale. Uh, I grew up knowing that those are two of the greatest pitchers of all time from that era. And watching players of, of, of that era that I was coming up in, the, the Saberhagans, uh, Glavin, Smoltz, Maddox. Yeah, you started to pick up on the fact that they were modern legends. Even Clemens as well. Yeah, problems and all. You knew it as you were watching it. He, they were, These were the big names, the big stars. Uh, yeah, but you know what? So was uh, Doug Drabeck. So was Jack McDowell. Uh, a lot of those players would come through and you thought, ah, these ones are going to last forever. And, and, they, and they didn't. So I think we have a tendency to sometimes wait until we fully realize the impact of these players. Max Scherzer is one of the best pitchers of all time. And now he's passing the names that prove it. So congratulations, Max. Big accomplishment. Number four on my list is just simply Sixto. Sixto Sanchez, Miami Marlins. I love this. I love this guy. You know why I love this guy? Because it's a new name showing up and doing amazing things. We're having a lot of fun watching uh, the Blue Jays move ahead with the the names that we're familiar with, but players that are new. Uh, the Slam Diego Padres, and I'm never going to stop calling them that until maybe next year when they're hitting two-run homers and not grand slams. We're watching them. We're watching Tatis Jr., Acuna Jr., even though he's a little banged up right now. I love watching these new stars. Juan Soto, I, I, that's probably some names I'm going to forget or not name, and you'll be upset because they're on your other team. But I love when someone just emerges, just absolutely emerges. And Sixto Sanchez is one of those guys, man. He's arrived, and he is having one of those weeks. Yeah, you know, he's a Philly prospect. He comes on over. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, he might have been around a bit, but here he is. Here he is. He's up. He's making an impact, and everyone is talking about him. I love that. I love when you can absolutely just kind of, even after what, he's played four games, you can just look and go, this kid is turning heads. Will it last? I don't know. I look at uh, Dontrell Willis is a, is, a, is a name that comes to mind. I love Dontrell Willis, the D-Trade. That first year in 2003, he comes up 14-6, and six, 
Rookie of the Year. Marlins make the World Series. Beat my yanks, and he's one of the reasons why. Next year, a bit of a struggle, but 2005, 22 wins. He's second in the Cy Young voting. He's an all-star. 2006, by the way. Yeah, now I'm looking at his stats. 2006, uh, you know, he's he's all right. He's all right. 12 and 12, 223 uh, innings, ERA 3.87. Yeah, he's coming off a 2.63 year. He's looking good. And by 2007, it starts to unravel. Injuries, a lot of things pop in. Uh, he does uh, start 35 games, lead the leagues, but uh, leads the league in that, but uh, 5.17 ERA. He's 10 and 15. And the fortunes of Dontrell Willis change. And by 2011, 29, he is retired out of Major League Baseball as a player. But he's still a great personality. I love that kick, that wind up, everything about him. He was a rage, all the rage in 2003, 21, flinging the ball for the Florida Marlins. Now we got Sixto Sanchez for the Miami Marlins. I got to tell you, it's early. It's very early. But I'm putting them on the list this week because when you looked up and just checked in on a, a MajorLeagueBaseball.com or Bleach Report or looked on Twitter and you're on baseball Twitter, Sanchez's name was in the conversation all week long. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. He's 22. Here's hoping. He has a very long career ahead of him. I love a new name taking a new place. Number three on the list, 29 runs. Oh, that's a big number. That's a giant number. That number made me literally sit up in my chair. I think I was having a frozen pizza. And I... I saw something come across the TV. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, actually, take it back, take it back, take it back. I saw something come up on online while I was watching TV. And I stopped watching TV. I was watching Netflix or something. And I said, did I just see what I saw? 29 runs? A new record? Unbelievable. And it was true. Hey, our friend Eric Monroe, that's definitely going to be his moment of the week. And here's his call. Hey, Ken, so my moment of the week is coming from this game I just watched. The Braves just set a National League record scoring 29 runs against the Marlins. That This is something I, I honestly might never see again in my lifetime. It was just amazing. So many things I could pick from from this game to be my moment of the week. Um, Adam Duvall had three home runs, but I'm going to have to go with Freddie Freeman, who is my current favorite player, um, getting his 1,500th hit. Um, I absolutely love Freddie. I really hope he remains a Brave throughout his entire career because that's something that's becoming a rarity nowadays, players staying with one team. I, you know, I, So I'd like to see Freddie stay on for the long run. Ah, uh, yes. Club control. That's why, we're, uh, that's why we're worried about it. That's why we pay attention. You play, you come up, you play, you make, uh, you, you make some noise and you get that chance of the big contract. And often it's not with the team that you started with. I enjoy Freddie Freeman too. First uh, full year, 2011, 2010, though, he comes up second in the rookie of the year voting. Uh, he He's such a good player. He really is a good player. Last year, 2019, 
I'd say that was his biggest year. 38 home runs, 121 RBIs. Even though the year before he led the league in hits, 191 uh, played in 162 games in 2018, which he did in 2014 as well. But he's also had some injury years mixed in there. But about the 29 runs. It's crazy. Duvall goes yard three times. It's against those Marlins. Oh, poor Donnie Baseball. That's that's. I don't even know that's video game numbers. I can't do that on video games right now. And I don't think it's just simply the era. I, I really don't. To score 29 runs, you're doing more than just sitting back and waiting for the long ball. You are you're doing a lot of things right. Shout out to Atlanta for setting a National League record. In a baseball year, we will never forget. This is going to be one of those one of those stat lines. One of those games you remember. It brings to mind the 1987 game between the Blue Jays and I do believe that was the Orioles in which, uh, what, 10 home runs were hitting that game. I remember there was a baseball card commemorating the game, which is why I probably remember it so, so well. Uh, that one just stood out for, it's still, I'm still talking about it. I still remember it. This one will be as well. 29 runs by Atlanta. Definitely puts them on the power rankings for the week number two this week we are going to alec mills oh look at this our second no-no of the year and this one comes from someone throwing for a chicago team as well uh 10 uh nothing was that the final i think that was the final no 12 nothing was the final over the brewers that's you you don't see that a lot of times no hitters it's a two nothing win or if you're, you know, Joe Cowley with the White Sox in 86, you give up a couple. Uh, you know, uh, this was a crazy, crazy score for a no-hitter. Uh, someone have to look up that stat there. But here's Alec Mills, a walk-on in college. He had to show up and say, hey, I can play. Give me a chance. Here he is with the Cubs. Um, I'm watching uh, the outs right now as I'm talking to you. Great stuff. Uh, as I talked about when uh, Giolito tossed his no-hitter, uh, which was the 304th in Major League Baseball history. This is the 305th. Uh, I just love no-hitters. There's just something about them. I'm still mesmerized by them. Great. Mills, and I love it. This is a name. You're like, who? Where's Verlander? Where's Scherzer? Kershaw? Bueller? Where are those names? Alec Mills? He's tossing a no-hitter? And he might be one of those no-hitters where, again, years from now you go, Philip. Humber threw Humber Humber. He threw a no hitter. I don't remember that. Uh, for some reason, on my brain tonight is the 1987 season. Juan Nieves throwing that uh, no hitter early in '87 against again. I think the Orioles. Poor Orioles. You remember those? I, I remember the Alec Mills one here. It just uh, and again, it is surreal seeing a uh, team celebrate a no hitter uh, in front of an empty stadium. All these crowds are missing out on great moments. Uh, this is uh, the first no-hitter thrown by a Cub since 2016, Jake Arietta. Another uh, little tidbit, and i got to uh, shout out our listener, Chad Benefield, who posted this in the Discord server attached to uh, the Ken Napsock Patreon page, uh, that the last time a Cub threw a no-hitter in Miller Park, it was against the Astros. That game was being played uh, there because it was a neutral site due to Hurricane Ike. Um and that was the first uh, no-hitter to be thrown at a, quote, neutral site. So there you go. Zambrano was the one who threw that one. Uh, now we got Alec Mills. Uh, what is that? The, about the fifth or sixth no-hitter for the Cubs. I know Milt Pappas threw one there. Malam, good old Milt Pappas. Throwing no-hitter. So congratulations to 
Alec Mills with the the no hitter there. That was uh, you know uh, one for the memory books. And this season, I'm telling you, it uh, you know I still run into some folks. I get it. I get it. They're a little cynical about this season. The little uh, they'll take make a little snarky comment about the uh, virtual stands or the cardboard uh, uh, stands. I, you know, I, I don't care. Yeah, I can't wait for the players uh, to to be playing in front of crowds again. I, I can't wait to get to go to a game. But we got some baseball, and there's some great things being accomplished. Alec Mills, uh, it's his fifth win of the year. Three walks, five strikeouts. Not an overpowering no-hitter. I like that. Ball in play. Ball in play. So he's number two on the power rankings this week. You throw a no-hitter, and you can't get to number two or number one. You're two. Well, who's number one? I got to give it to Albert Pujols. Just on Sunday, Pujols hits his 660th home run, tying him with Willie Mays. Now, uh, I talked I talked about this with uh, the uh, Scherzer thing. Uh, yep, uh, you know, it, it's sometimes uh, hard to appreciate legends being legends as they're playing in the modern times. You look to the names of the past, like Willie Mays. Willie Mays, one of my favorite players. I still kind of give Mays as the answer for the kind of best all-time well-rounded player. And, yep, eras are different, sometimes hard to compare. But I look at Mays and I I say that is, say, hey, kid, right? But I like to say that's a baseball player to me. Albert Pujols, definitely not uh, uh, playing with the same style. Though he did, he, Albert Pujols stole 16 bases in 2005 and 16 again in 2009, 14 in 2010. So don't tell me Albert Pujols can't run. I do believe on MLB The Show, we've been joking with Cody Hall over at uh, Amateur Hour Films. We did the, uh, uh, the Twitch streams. We played MLB The Show. Pujols' speed rating on MLB The Show is zero. I mean, that makes sense now. But he, he even stole three in 2019. All right. But, I, you know, all right. But anyway, see, it's 660. He's tied Willie Mays, uh, barring uh, some catastrophic injury that happens tomorrow morning. Pujols will pass him. Uh, and he'll play. I think Pujols will play for a little bit more. I think one one or two more years I can see. He's in his 20th uh, Major League Baseball season. 40, I know. Aged. Uh, age 40. He's ancient. Wrap him up. Uh, I don't know. To me, I don't see him hanging around long enough to get to 700. Maybe, like I said, one or one or two more seasons. He's losing some time this season. One of the one of the little tragedies of the of the short, um, you know, the short season. Some players are probably going to miss out on some uh, key stat record breaking playing time that they could have had otherwise. But hey, uh, I always love Albert Pujols. I've told the story. I'll tell it again now, quickly. 2001. Cone in this uh, baseball team with my friend Corey. We needed an outfielder late in the draft. Always do a, a you know, classic uh, fab, uh, fob style uh, uh, fantasy draft auction. We needed another outfielder. We needed some of the playing time. And uh, everyone that year wanted Pedro Feliz. He was the big prospect. And in our league, we there's a supplemental draft, and you can draft players at a 10, 8, 6, what is it, 10, 8, 6, four, two, and one price, right? You get the, and that a lot of people want to sneak in a minor leaguer. It's going to be a good prospect or come up late mid season. And maybe you, you trade him if you're in a stretch run or you hold him for the next fantasy baseball season, right? We've all been there. 
but in our league, there we were part of it. We were part of it. Uh, we s- kind of set this trend of sneaking in minor league players earlier in the auction draft, and this was one of the players that did it, Albert Pujols. Late in the draft, my friend Corey says to me, you know, we need an outfielder. Bobby Bonilla is going to start the year injured. Uh, LaRusse is going to give this Pujols guy. Uh, he can play third, first, and left field, and you're gonna, they're going to bring him up. Uh, let's let's take a flyer. We ended up winning the bid at three bucks. Pujols plays 161 games that season, 590 at bats, 37 home runs, 130 RBI bats, 329. He's the runaway rookie of the year candidate, and he never stopped. You look at his stat line; it's crazy. Some injuries, 2013, uh, the big injury with the Angels. Uh, starts slowing down a bit. 2018 slows down a lot. Uh, last year, bet 244, 23 home runs, 93 RBIs. He can still swing, um, you know, and I get it. This is what happens. You do start to get a little older. It happens to the best of us. But Paul Holson in the early 2000s was something else, a sight to see. And here he is, Tyne Willie Mays, an all-time name. And that's because Albert Pujols. Is it all time great himself? Congratulations, Albert Pujols, 660. You'll pass Mays soon enough. But for this week, you're number one on our power rankings list. Before we go, we want to do a baseball quote of the week. And we're going to actually quote Willie Mays. I love this Willie Mays quote. They throw the ball, I hit it. They hit the ball, I catch it. That you do. Reminds me of Ken Griffey Jr. I don't know what they're throwing. I just swing at the ball I see paraphrasing of course but the kid man he just went out and played ball oh i appreciate the science of the game i love even how hitting his gun even more scientific i actually really do ted williams and wade boggs and their approach to hitting uh it was it's just as fascinating to me as ken griffey jr going i don't know i see the ball i hit the ball but this from Mays makes sense they throw the ball i hit it they hit the ball i catch it absolutely Let's check uh, league leaders here uh, on uh, Box Score Heroes as we start to wrap up this edition. Tim Anderson, he's stopping a great season, 362 for the White Sox. Three are tied for the home run lead. We, uh, we've we got one note. Take it back. Nelson Cruz is what I'm looking for. Uh, Mike Trout, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is, of course, still up there. Um, uh, also, Jose Abreu, 15 home runs. Mookie Betts, 50, 15 as well. Yeah, or is he up to 16 now? There you go uh, for league leaders, uh, the big ones. But uh, Brayu, 48 RBIs, leading the leagues. Uh, oh, uh, we, we keep tracking stolen bases. The stat I, I love. I love that stat. Uh, and uh, Alberto Mondesi over in Kansas City. Uh, rules, uh, rules kid, 16 stolen bases. Fernando Tatis leading the league in runs. Over on the pitching side, Brad Hand uh, and Liam Hendricks, 12 saves. Shane, Shane Bieber, 1.53 ERA. He's also leading with strikeouts. Kenta Maeda with the whip, 0.74, and three-year tied with seven wins. I love those stats. I love checking stats. It's like getting the USA Today, the old uh, bright purple sports section. Or was sports orange and life and entertainment was purple? I can't remember. Let's check those standings before we leave out, uh, leave and, and, and head into this next week. Tampa Bay, as I mentioned, ahead to 30 and 17 in the East Toronto. Uh, next, Yankees nipping at their heels, but they're in third place. White Sox, one game up on the Twins, 
in the central out west Oakland. Looking great. Now opened up a six-and-a-half game lead over the Astros. But the Astros at 23-24, and 24, believe it or not, sitting in the playoffs. By the way, you see that Joe Kelly mural they got in L.A.? I might go find it and take a picture. I don't know. Atlanta leading the National League East over Miami, 23-21. and 21. Uh, Look at those Marlins, man. They gave up 29 runs, but that's kind of weird, dreamy season they're having. It's still uh, it's still there. Cubs uh, out in the Central. They got a no-hitter under their belt, 28-24 and 24 over the uh, Cardinals. Uh, Brewers, sorry, our friend Zach Anderson, 2024, six games back. You can still get a run. It can still happen. Out West, it's the two powerhouse teams, the Dodgers, 33 and 14, and San Diego, 31, 17, two and a half back, but in a pretty good position uh, looking at uh, the playoff races there. So that is uh, what's going on in the stats. That's some of the stories. And I thank you for listening to Box Score Heroes. That is it for this week. If you got a moment of the week, don't be shy. Call in via the Anchor app. And yes, sometimes there can be a problem searching for the podcast on the Anchor app. You can go to the Desktop Act and connect your phone through that or just use your laptop. Just leave a message. Let me know your moment of the week. You can follow us on Twitter at BoxScoreHeroes. Follow me at CatNapsack. Go to CatNapsack.com for information on all the things I do. Uh, And uh, I'll uh, hopefully soon have an update on some live shows uh, coming your way very soon. That is it for now. We'll see you next time on BoxScoreHeroes. (laughs) 